know that there are some people in this world that did not tune in to the Alliance Vlog Podcast. Shame on you! Shame on you! My name is Ella Indy and I'm one half of the NWA Women's World Tag Team Champion. And I'm Kimsey Page, the other half of the NWA World Women's Tag Team Champion. And you better go listen to the Alliance Vlog, what is it called? Podcast! Period! You're ugly! I was getting ready to record today's podcast, which will still continue with the original plan of speaking about the 10 pounds of gold and my affinity for that title. But over the, the news wire, the uh, X feed, X formerly known as Twitter, news broke that uh, we lost an icon today. We lost a legend, uh, the Hall of Famer, uh, the legendary Terry Funk. To put things into perspective with Terry Funk, and, and again, I'm sure we're going to speak more about this tomorrow on the Alliance Guys live stream, which you'll hear eventually up here on the Alliance Guys, uh, the Alliance Blog podcast. Funk was an icon. Funk was amazing. Funk had his last entering match in 2017. He started wrestling in 1965. It's a very long time. And Funker was one of these guys that wrestled everywhere. Of course, he started off in, in Texas and, and wrestling in the Southwest. And, and, but, I mean, he was all over the place. And even when he became NWA World's Heavyweight Champion... It wasn't like, uh, and again, I understand that this was a different time and place, but it wasn't like he just rested on his laurels. Um, he didn't just wrestle in, in Texas or just in the Southwest, but the man wrestled almost everywhere in the United States, anywhere there was an NWA territory, uh, even in my own backyard at the Grand Olympic Auditorium in Los Angeles, uh, you know, the Sportatorium. He, he wrestled at the chase. He defended the 10 pounds of gold in, 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 uh, everywhere you could, um, he even took the title international when he defended it in Japan. He defended the title in Canada. Uh, he defended the title in Portland. He defended the title, like I said, at the Grand Olympic Auditorium. He defended the title in Stampede. You know, North Carolina, South Carolina. The man was everywhere. And, uh, you know, he, he won the title. He won the title from... Jack Briscoe in Miami, uh, Miami Beach on December 10th, 1975. So he had been in the business for, you know, roughly 10 years before he became world's heavyweight champion. And he would hold on to that title uh, all the way till 1977, almost two years as world's heavyweight champion. And he won the title in Miami. He lost the title to Harley Race in Canada, in Toronto. It hasn't seen a lot of title changes out of the country, um, in Canada anyway. So it's it's uh, it's with a heavy heart we announced that he has passed away. Of course, at 79 years of age, uh, some deteriorating health issues. The man did everything. He, he reinvented himself so many times. Uh, 
you know, the Terry Funk, who was the world's heavyweight champion, superseded my time in wrestling. But I did remember seeing Terry Funk in a tuxedo challenging Ric Flair for an opportunity to wrestle for that 10 pounds of gold. And when Flair denied him, uh, he became violent. No, he became rabid in that Jim Crockett promotions ring and, and really bloodied up Ric Flair. I remember him with Jimmy Jack Garvin, of all people, and in the short brief time in the WWF. Um, I remember his return to the WWE. I remember uh, as Chainsaw Charlie, right? Um, of course, I remember his time in ECW when, again, reinventing himself as a hardcore wrestler. Really kind of brought the whole deathmatch wrestling to the United States. Um, the things that him and Cactus Jack did in Japan uh, were able to translate to you know, the uh, ECW, the more extreme side of wrestling. Um, Terry Funk's going to be missed, man. You know, a friend of mine posted recently that uh, that was the great white whale. That's the autograph. That's the, the meet and greet. That's the, the moment in the sun he wanted the most. And I, I echo that sentiment 100%. Uh, Terry Funk was one of those guys I always thought, man, if he comes to L.A. just one more time, just one more time, I'm going to get that autograph. And damn, we knew his health was deteriorating. We knew he wasn't long for this world. Uh but, um, you know, our condolences to his friends, his family, his fans. Uh, we wish him nothing but the best. Um, I guess that sounds funny. Uh, rest in peace, Mr. Terry Funk. We wish his family nothing but the best. Uh, we lost a good one, guys. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about the 10 pounds of gold. And... Uh, yeah. Times are tough now, guys, and it's no joke out here. That's why I'm very proud to be partnering with the Upside app. They're leveling the playing field, guys. They're giving you opportunities to earn cash back on, on purchases for groceries, purchases for gasoline, purchases for food. These are the things we all spend our money on all the time. I believe in Upside. I use Upside weekly. My lifetime earnings is over $408. And you too can be earning cash back on your Phillips, your groceries, or your eating out experiences just by signing up. And it's free. By using my invite code, J-A-S-O-N 75338, that's Jason 753338. You'll earn $5 cash back on your first fill-up. Use the link in the video description or download the app, but make sure you use that invite code JASON753338 and make money by using the Upside app. My affinity for the 10 pounds of gold knows no bounds. Ladies, gentlemen, I've traveled the world to see this title. It, and I can legitimately say that, right? I can legitimately say that I've been all over the world to see the 10 pounds of gold. Okay, maybe not all over the world, but I got to go to China to see that 10 pounds of gold. I got to see the title defended uh, just recently in Mexico City, right? You know, Daga challenging the irrehensible Tyrus. Uh, I don't know. That's probably not the right word. 
but anyways, Tyrus defended the title in Mexico City. I was there for that. And I've been actually to quite a few title defenses in California and outside of California. Uh, you know, I've traveled to see that title. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted to make something kind of clear because this affinity that I have for the belt uh, didn't happen because of uh, Ric Flair. Didn't happen because of Harley Race. My affinity for this title developed, oddly enough, while watching UFC. Yeah, I know, right? Dan the Beast Severin, holding 10 pounds of leather and gold, looking oh so pretty, walking to the ring with Dennis Corluzo. He was the uh, NWA promoter in New Jersey at the time. Howard Brody was the president of the NWA. It was it was Dennis Corluzo's idea to put the 10 pounds of gold on a legitimate shoot fighter. That's why Chris Candido got the raw deal. Didn't have very much of a run with the 10 pounds of gold. Uh, they were looking for credibility after Shane Douglas had tossed the belt down, and they got it uh, tenfold with Dan Severn. And Dan Severn would take that title all over the world. But the place that I saw it first was at UFC. I, I don't remember the number. It was in 95. And here he comes walking to the octagon with Corluzo, as I mentioned, holding the 10 pounds of gold, holding the Super Fight Championship, knowing full well who Dan Severn was because I watched UFC, and my mind was blasted because I remember that belt. I remember seeing that belt in After Magazines. I remember seeing that belt in the early, early days of my wrestling watching. That was the belt that Ric Flair held. I saw photos of Harley Race holding that title. I saw Terry Funk holding that belt. Hell, I saw Kerry Von Erich holding that belt in magazines. And after I thought that the NWA became WCW, a lot of you think that too. A lot of you, I know, I know there's a lot of you that believe that as well. And having all that information, you know, being able later with the uh, with the birth of the internet, being able to find out that that wasn't true and seeing that title in the octagon it it created this lust for that title it created this desire to learn more and that's when i started going online in, in the early days of the internet on the aol grandstand forums and i'm sure i'm speaking a foreign language to some of you younger listeners some of you oldies like me can remember being on on the prodigy trying to find wrestling news or going on the grandstand forums or the WWF forums on AOL. Anyways, <laughs> uh, because I didn't get to see that title growing up. Obviously, uh, by the time uh, Ric Flair was defending the NWA world title, um, it, at least in my market in this area, it was already the Dome Globe. Like in 1986, they had already been using the new the new title. So when they came out to the uh, sports arena, uh, the 10 pounds of gold was already gone. And, and I'll be honest, I was little. My parents weren't taking me to wrestling shows. Uh, so I never had an opportunity to see that title. But e even more so, like Southern California was never a real hotbed for the NWA anyways. Um, you got to remember the uh, Grand Olympic Auditorium, uh, although hosted quite a few NWA world title matches, uh, it wasn't really a, a member for very long. Uh, you know, it was previously a member of the NAWA, it was a member of the WWA, and for about 14 years, it was a member of the NWA. 
And the title was never a fixture in this territory. Uh, you would see it on occasion, but it wasn't something that was here all the time. So even though Lou Fez defended the 10, you know, not, not the 10, but the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship at Jeffrey's Barn in Burbank, and although the Terry Funk and, and, and uh, Harley Race would defend the 10 pounds of gold at the uh, Grand Olympic Auditorium, and Ric Flair would defend the title at the uh, sports arena, uh, we never really had... The, the NWA World's Heavyweight title as a, as a fixture in, in the Los Angeles market until Dave Marquez and uh, the NWA Pro Office kind of made that happen. Now, of course, this was after the split with TNA, and we would see such world champions as Adam Pierce, uh, Blue Demon Jr., Colt Cabana, uh, all kind of cycle through in this market. And then, obviously, there was the departure from uh, the NWA and uh, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, which would uh, later, when Billy Corgan bought the NWA, we would see the 10 pounds of gold return here to the Southern California market, be it, uh, be it uh, Tim Storm or Nick Aldis. So opportunities to see the belt were few and far between uh, prior to Dave Marquez. Uh, but I did get to see the title up close in person. Uh, the first time I got to see the title up close in person, and I know the date. I know the date. It's it's. I had to look it up, but I know the date. It was at the Galaxy Theater. That's the same place Championship Wrestling from Hollywood first started taping at. In that first season, that's where they were. And it was at uh, in Santa Ana at the Galaxy Theater on December 19, 2001. It was for UPW Seasons Beatings. Now, UPW uh, was not quite exactly a developmental uh, wrestling promotion for the WWE, but it seemed like it used to be a farm, uh, a farm fed promotion. They used to send talent to uh, the WWE's developmental system all the time. And I mean, there was a lot of guys that kind of went through the, the, those doors. I mean, believe it or not, Mike Knox, current NWA uh, Crockett cup champion, Mike Knox, uh, came through UPW, um, Horseshoe, uh, Ryan Sakota, KG Sakota, uh, Ho- uh, excuse me, Jesus, who was briefly in the WWE. Uh, of course, names that you're probably more familiar with, uh, Luther Reigns, Nathan Jones, not ringing a bell. Okay, how about Samoa Joe? How about, uh, how about, uh, oh my God, uh, how about uh, uh, John Cena? How could I not pull John Cena out? Uh, all these guys really got discovered in uh, UPW, as well as like, uh, you know, Spanky already had kind of made his name on the independence, but uh, Spanky didn't start getting opportunities in Japan until he started working with UPW. And that's kind of what brought uh, Hashimoto and the 10 pounds of gold to UPW was this working relationship between Ultimate Pro Wrestling and Zero One. Now you have to remember that Hashimoto wanted to be NWA world's champion. And this is, this is going to be, I'm going to try to summarize this quickly. Uh, the three musketeers of new Japan pro wrestling were, uh, KG Modo, the great Muda. And, uh, Oh man, how am I blanking on his name? This is awful. <laughs> uh, why am I blanking on his name? Um, Masahira Chono. That was your, uh, that, that was kind of like your, uh, the three musketeers of new Japan pro wrestling. 
and uh, combine that with Giant Baba. And those are the first, uh, and Tatsuji Fujinami, excuse me, Tatsumi Fujinami, those are the first four men uh, of Japanese descent to hold the 10 pounds of gold. Or I should say NWA World's Heavyweight Championship because Fujinami and Chono and Muda didn't hold the 10 pounds of gold. They held the World's Heavyweight Championship. Baba did. Baba held that title. Anyways, um, so Hashimoto really wanted to have an opportunity to run with this belt. Now, at the time, uh, you know, a couple of years before this, uh, Ogawa, uh, Noya Ogawa was the World's Heavyweight Champion. We talked about him a few uh, episodes ago. And with Gary Steele and how Ogawa was kind of a, he was a hard dude to pin down. And in fact, when he came to the States storyline wise, and it really was reported on the NWA website back in the day, Hashimoto followed him here. So Hashimoto, they had this match in Japan where Ogawa really brutalized Hashimoto. And this was when uh, Inoki was trying to set up that strong style of, of wrestling in Japan where, um, you know, kind of blending the world of mixed martial arts and uh, that strong style of wrestling, the Enochiisms, the Bumbaye, you know, all that good stuff. And so when Hashimoto is in there chasing Ogawa and finally Ogawa ends up losing that title and eventually that belt ends up around the waist of Steve Carino, who eventually would end up doing the job to uh, Hashimoto. But uh, Hashimoto had came to the States uh, because they were setting up this relationship between Ultimate Pro Wrestling, Zero One, and New Japan Pro Wrestling. And at that time, they were going to build up to this big match between uh, like the UPW uh, wrestler turned shoot fighter, Tom Howard. And he was going to wrestle Shinya Hashimoto in Zero One for that 10 pounds of gold. Uh, it never happened. <laughs> but uh, I got to see Hashimoto in the UPW ring pretty much call the entire roster crap. And uh, that was the first time I got to see the title in person. Now, I didn't get to see him wrestle. I didn't get to see him defend it. But I saw the title, and it was it was beautiful. And it still is beautiful. The first time I'd see the title in action, a title defense, uh, was in the TNA era. But it wasn't in a TNA ring. We're still here in Los Angeles, California, at the Hollywood Los Feliz Jewish Community Center. I'm talking about... June 11, 2005, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, Guitar Mageddon. Uh, yes, I used to go to quite a few Pro Wrestling Guerrilla shows. This was towards the end of my uh, run following PWG because, uh, well, I was a new dad. My, my firstborn daughter was born in 2004, and that really limited the amount of PWG shows I would be able to attend. But I did get to see AJ Styles with the 10 pounds of gold wrestle against James Gibson. Now, at this time... At this time, AJ Styles was the Pro Wrestling Guerrilla Champion, having defeated Super Dragon just a few shows before. But he was also the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion as he defeated, uh, I believe it was Jeff Jarrett. So he was a double champion, and he defended the title against James Gibson, a.k.a. Jamie Noble, uh, Noble and Courageous, the Jung Dragons. Yeah, that one. Um, and that was the first time I got to see the 10 pounds of gold in a match. That was 2005. Now, at that point, uh, the NWA and uh, Southern California still hadn't really caught on with one another. Um, Dave Marquez was working with the Inoki Dojo. We had two different NWA promotions out here 
One of them was called Car Consumer Pro Wrestling, which was associated with uh, the original Rev Pro, which was the promotion that gave us Super Dragon, Rising Sun, Excalibur, Taro, Shogun, all those guys. Uh, that promotion uh, is obviously no longer around, but they, they had ties to the NWA in name only. They never brought the World's Heavyweight Champion out here. They never even crowned an NWA champion. Uh, then there, in Northern California, there was Pacific Coast Wrestling, and they had a, an association with the NWA for a short time. And this was all before uh, Marquez and Anoki brought the NWA membership to Southern California. And that's when that's when the things the ball started rolling. Once Dave Marquez started uh, promoting NWA matches, that's when things would change. Uh, we would see the title uh, obviously at the um, the the uh, TV tapings, the championship wrestling from Hollywood tapings. Um, I got to see Adam Pierce defend that title in SoCal Pro. I got to see him defend the title at AWS. Um, and that title, the momentum, I got to see it in, in lots of places. And I, like I said, they did TV tapings in San Bernardino. They did TV tapings uh, in Hollywood. Um, those San Bernardino tapings were right around the same time that the title came back to uh well excuse me no it didn't I, i'm speaking a little ahead of myself the title didn't come back to the nwa until 2007 and so when the nwa and dave marquez championship wrestling from hollywood nwa pro wrestling whatever you want to call it they started doing tv tapings and it was a uh four colors tv it was like a nationally produced nwa program and this is the first time that the nwa collectively worked as a membership to bring uh, NWA wrestling to a TV channel. It was on, um, not direct TV, but, uh, dish TV, uh, on the colors channel. And uh, that program would have, uh, lots of the world champions. In fact, we had the tag team world champions, the NWA North American champion would defend, but I got to see blue demon jr. Defend the 10 pounds of gold. Obviously that show didn't last for very long, but uh, while filming that program, they were also working on the pilot for Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, uh, the same program that's on TV today. Uh, well, it's not in, it's not on TV today, but it's available on YouTube. Uh, it's in other markets, just not here in Los Angeles. Uh, but then the first time I got to travel, well, it's the second time I traveled for an NWA show, but the first time I got to see the 10 pounds of gold was Yuma, Arizona. Adam Pierce uh, taking on Sean Waltman at Sunrise Stadium in Yuma, Arizona in the middle of the summer. It was 100 million degrees outside, uh, but I, I got to see the 10 pounds of gold uh, defended in, in person at a, at a small minor league baseball stadium field, and that was the first time I traveled out of state to see the world's heavyweight champion. Now, uh, of course, uh, once the championship wrestling from Hollywood uh, started on KDOC in the local market. I got to see the title all the time. Again, I was there for those matches with Colt Cabana and Adam Pierce. I was there for the matches with uh, uh, Cabana defending the title. And then, of course, all that went away when the um, the NWA and in and, and, uh, and NWA Hollywood Championship Wrestling from Hollywood split. So it was a couple of years before I'd get to see the title again. Um. And I was lucky because I was there when Tim Storm brought the title back to Southern California. Now, when when Dave Marquez left the NWA or they pushed him out, however you want to look at it, um, there were other members of the NWA in California. They just never brought the title to California. And I, I kind of kicked myself because 
I, I missed out on seeing Jax Dane win the title in uh, or defend the title at the Cauliflower Alley Club uh, in Las Vegas, Nevada. But back then, money was tight, and I wasn't able to travel as much as I can now. And so I, I never got to see those title defenses. In fact, the first wrestling show that I, I traveled via airplane to see was the 70th anniversary show in Nashville. And that's when we got to see Cody defend the 10 pounds of gold against Nick Aldis. And it was a great event. It was, it was perfect. I don't know how much better it could have been. That was a great night of wrestling. Of course, Aldis wins in a two out of three falls becomes world's heavyweight champion. And then I would go and see uh, Nick Aldis defend the title in China against Colt Cabana for the United wrestling network. That was amazing. And again, I've told this story enough times, but thank you to Dave Marquez. Thank you to Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. Thank you for all those people who helped me get to China to see that match. And that was a life-changing event that really inspired me to to do a lot more uh, with wrestling, to be a lot more uh, of a resource, to be more of a collaborator, to, to uh, really kind of grow this website and grow this community. Um, and then it was like game on, uh, then, then, you know, going to North Carolina, going to Charlotte for, uh, the, the, uh, Crockett cup 2019 was not such a big deal. And then going to Atlanta for the TV tapings and seeing all this defend against, uh, Tim storm was, was awesome. And, and then back to, uh, back to Nashville, uh, you know, because of the pandemic and everything in the world stopped. Uh, you know, I said Nashville, but before that happened, uh, I got to see Aldis defend the title against Mike Bennett. I was the only real fan in attendance because it was the pandemic, bro. And no one was there except for talent and people who were producing the show. So I got to see in my own backyard, Long Beach, California, I got to see Nick Aldis defend the 10 pounds of gold against, uh, against Mike Bennett for the United Wrestling Network primetime live. The second time uh, Dave Marquez used Nick Aldis to hi uh, highlight a United Wrestling Network show would be the last time, too. And so then, uh, yeah, so so having been to all these places, uh, you know, Wencho, China, Yuma, Arizona, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, Atlanta, my own backyard, Long Beach, of course, Los Angeles, San Diego, um, San Bernardino. I got to see the 10 pounds of gold in all these cities uh, and all these states. And then, uh, you know, uh, the pandemic happened and, and, and no one was watching any wrestling. Well, I mean, no one was going to any live wrestling events. Uh, sorry, I'm stumbling over my words here. Uh, but we, you know, when the NWA relaunched the first few shows, they weren't allowing uh, audience members or it was very limited. And I, I got to be honest, I wasn't really planning on traveling for wrestling until the pandemic was over because, you know, I didn't want to infect my family. Uh, but, but, you know, uh, when it was safe to do so, you know, I, uh, I got on a plane and I got to go to the Crockett cup 2020. Um, so I, I was there and I saw Matt Cardona defend the 10 pounds of gold against Nick Aulis. And then later I would go to Shamlet, Shalmet, Shalmet. And I got to see Trevor Murdoch defend the 10 pounds of gold against, 
uh, Cardona and Tyrus. And then I, I flew to Mexico City just uh, this year, earlier this year, and got to see Tyrus defend against Daga. And here we are uh, on August 23rd, just four days away from the next title defense in a bull rope match. Tyrus versus EC3. And I'm hoping yet again to see a new world's heavyweight champion. I'm hoping to witness history like I did in, in, in Shalmet. Witness history like I did in, in, in uh, Nashville. Witness history like I saw in, in uh, Mexico City or Wenshow. To see that 10 pounds of gold go to a place, uh, the chase, uh, it's home away from home. A place where Terry Funk defended that title. A place where Ric Flair defended that title. A place where Nick Aldis defended that title. A place where Trevor Murdoch defended that title. And we're just four days away from seeing, hopefully, a, a new beginning for the NWA. So I love the 10 pounds of gold. I love what it stands for. I'm very excited about what we're going to see this uh, this weekend. Uh, make sure that you're staying tuned to all the Alliance blog social media because we'll be posting photos and pictures and everything cool about that, about this weekend. I'm, I'm very excited. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I would be remiss if I didn't say that I'll be a little bit sad if Tyrus is still champion at the end of this weekend. Hopefully I didn't just jinx myself. But uh, hey, thanks for listening. Uh, if you uh, w- listen uh, to this podcast regularly, we appreciate you doing it. And uh, well, let's talk again soon. Thank you for tuning in to the Alliance Blog Podcast, a presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com, the premier source for news and information for the National Wrestling Alliance. Would you consider subscribing so you never miss a new episode? You can follow us on all social media at The Alliance Blog, and we stream live on Twitch, Kick, and YouTube every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, 5 p.m., 6 p.m., and 8 p.m. Eastern at The Alliance Blog. Until then, we are The Alliance.